Trigger warning, this episode of A Brief History includes a discussion about sexual assault. This is the Tudor's Dynasty Podcast. And now, A Brief History. In today's segment of A Brief History, I would like to discuss the true story behind the latest medieval film from Hollywood, The Last Duel. For those who are not aware, this film is based on the non-fiction book of the same name by Eric Jagger. For this tale, we are going back to when England was at war with France, when medieval kings tried to prove their worth by fighting one another. 14th century Europe faced numerous crises that tested the bonds of feudalism. The bubonic plague was ravishing the populations of every European country, Christendom was facing a constant threat from the Middle East, which sparked the Crusades, and France was fighting against England in the Hundred Years' War. With tension high between England and France, Scotland joins the fight in favor of the French cause. You would think that the French nobility would be focused on making preparations for battle. However, a few days after Christmas 1386, the focus of the elite was on a duel between a knight and a squire over an event that changed their lives and the lives of their loved ones forever. The duel was between Jean de Carouge, a Norman knight who accused squire Jacques Legris of raping his wife Marguerite. Before we get ahead of ourselves, we have to go back to the beginning of this feud, to a time when Jean de Carouge and Jacques Legris were friends. Jean de Carouge came from a long line of Norman knights who served the French royal family for centuries. In 1380, a young Charles VI became king of France. One of the first people to swear allegiance was Jean de Carouge's father, Jean de Carouge III. With that loyalty came titles, wealth, and an advantageous marriage to cement the de Carouge legacy. The de Carouge family served a man named Count Robert, the fourth son of Charles of Valois. When Count Robert suddenly died in 1377, the de Carouge family transferred their loyalty to the third son, Count Pierre of Alençon. Count Pierre flaunted his wealth and prestige in Argentin, where he lived with his wife and his numerous mistresses. Jean was part of Count Pierre's court as one of his chamberlains. At Count Pierre's court, Jean was reunited with one of his old friends, a squire named Jacques Legree. Legree came from a family of social climbers who collected wealth and property. Jean and Jacques were very good friends. They trusted each other so much so that when Jean had his first son, he asked Jacques to be the child's godfather. So how did this strong friendship between Jean de Carouge and Jacques Legree come crashing down to the point where they wanted to kill each other in a duel to the death? Well, it had all to do with money and property. You see, Count Pierre had favorites at court, and he tended to favor Jacques Legree over Jean. 
Legree was given estates, and he was named captain of Fort Exma, which made other courtiers jealous, but especially Jean. Coming from an older family than Legree, Jean believed that he should have been the first to gain estates and be Count Pierre's right-hand man. In the late 1370s, John's wife and son tragically died. Most people would take their time and grieve for their family, but Jean decided to risk his life in battle. In 1379, Jean joined Admiral Jean de Vienne to take Normandy back from the English. It was a costly campaign, but when Jean de Carouge returned home in 1380, he finally remarried and began to rebuild his family's legacy. The woman who Jean chose to be his new bride was a wealthy young heiress named Marguerite. On paper, she was the ideal bride for any young noble, but there was one flaw in her otherwise outstanding pedigree. She was the daughter of a Norman knight named Robert de Tibouville, who betrayed the French kings twice, thus making Marguerite a traitor's daughter. But Jean didn't mind, and he and Marguerite were married in the spring of 1380. Marguerite's dowry was very substantial, but it was missing one crucial estate, Anou-les-Foucons, which Marguerite's father had sold to Count Pierre three years earlier in 1377. Naturally, Jean thought the estate would go to him and his family after he married Marguerite, but Count Pierre decided to give the estate to his favorite chamberlain, you guessed it, Jacques Legree. Jean would protest that this estate rightfully belonged to him, but on May 29, 1380, the king agreed with Count Pierre and granted the estate to Jacques Legree, souring the relationship between Jean and Jacques even further. Jean was viewed as a jealous and contentious man after this incident, and things did not improve. Two years later, in 1382, a nasty quarrel was brewing between De Carouge and Legree. Jean's father had just passed away, which meant that Jean was due to inherit his father's lands and titles. The prize title being the captaincy of Bellame. But Count Pierre had other intentions for this post, and he announced that the captaincy would be given to Jean's friend-turned-rival, Jacques Legree. And once again, Jean tried to plead his case in court, but he failed to gain what he believed was rightfully his property. In 1383, Jean was trying to buy new properties, but it ended up putting him on a collision course with Count Pierre and Legree. Count Pierre was also trying to buy these properties, and the estates ultimately went to the Count. Jean was humiliated. He turned his anger on the one person he blamed the most for his misfortune, Jacques Legree. Though the feelings between the two men were bitter, they did choose to reconcile during a party in 1384, but this reconciliation would not last long. The year is 1385, 
and Jean decided to get away from court politics and try to regain his reputation and prestige by once again joining Admiral Jean de Vienne and his campaign in Scotland. This would end up being a complete disaster for the French, and six months later, Jean returned to Normandy, broke and very ill. Marguerite had lived with her father while Jean was away on campaign, but she would not be reunited with her husband for very long, as he then decided to go to Paris to collect the money owed to him for his services. At this point, Jean decides to move Marguerite into his mother's home, Nicole de Carouge, and she was not Marguerite's biggest fan. You see, Marguerite had been married to Jean for five years, and they had no children of their own. On top of that, Marguerite was the daughter of a traitor. But it was not her mother-in-law that Marguerite should have been worried about while her husband was away. On his way to Paris, Jean had stopped by Argentan and had yet another verbal altercation with Jacques Legree. This time, it was too much for Legree, and he decided to get back at Jean right where it would hurt. On January 18, 1386, Jacques Legree and his man, Adam Duval, decided to stop by Nicole's home and brutally attack Marguerite while her husband and her mother-in-law were away. Before they left, Legree warned Marguerite not to tell Jean what had happened that day. When Jean returned home, Marguerite bravely told him what had happened during his absence. Not only did Jean believe his wife's tragic tale, but he decided to take legal action against Jacques Legree, even though it would cost him a pretty penny and perhaps what was left of his reputation. But it was a risk that Jean was willing to take. Not long after the incident happened, Marguerite discovered that she was pregnant. And now we have a big question of who the biological father is of Marguerite's child. Of course, Count Pierre was furious about the rumors that he heard of Legree assaulting Marguerite, so he granted Jean's wish for a hearing on the case. The outcome of this trial should come as no surprise to anyone. Count Pierre found in favor of his favorite, Jacques Legree, stating that Marguerite must have dreamt the attack. There was another piece of the complex legal puzzle. Under medieval French law, a nobleman, in this case Jean, who appealed his case to the king, had the right to challenge his adversary to a judicial duel or a trial by combat. Whoever came out of that fight alive would be declared the one who told the truth, and this was known as the judgment of God. These judicial duels were extremely rare in 1386, as King Philip IV had outlawed them entirely in 1296, but brought them back for genuinely heinous crimes 10 years later in 1306. This was a battle to the death that had more significant implications for Jean and his family. For the one who lost the duel, it not only meant that they would have died on the field of battle, but their cause was also lost. It would mean that Jean would tarnish his family's reputation and his soul would be damned. 
Marguerite's life was also in jeopardy because if Jean lost the duel, Marguerite would be put to death for swearing a false oath about the rape charge. Even with the risks stacked against them, John decided to go forth with his case against Legree. In the spring of 1386, Jean and his entourage made their way to the home of King Charles VI, where they made their appeal for the case. The king agreed to hear their case in Parliament. On July 9, 1386, the trial began at Parliament with the ceremony of the challenge in which Parliament would decide if this case warranted a judicial duel through an inquiry. Jean and Legree pleaded their cases. Jean claimed that Legree committed the crime and Legree denied that he had raped Marguerite and claimed that Jean abused his wife. Neither man mentioned Marguerite's pregnancy in their arguments. On September 15, 1386, Parliament decided on the case. They granted the judicial duel between Jean and Legree to determine who was telling the truth. The duel was held at Saint-Martin-des-Champs, a monastery in Paris that had a space large enough for combat. Though the date for the contest was set, it was delayed to December 29th because the king was away planning for another invasion of England. Before the duel occurred, Marguerite gave birth to a son named Robert, who now risked losing both of his parents. On December 29, 1386, the duel was held with great pomp and circumstance. Ceremonies such as the knighting of Jacques Legree and last words were performed as the two men prepared to fight for their lives. Marguerite, dressed all in black in her box, could only watch as the two men clashed first on horseback and then on foot to determine her fate and the fate of her family. Jean was the one who started the attack, but Legree was able to injure Jean's leg while they fought on foot. Things were not looking good for Jean, but Jean was then able to pin Legree on the ground, and he pleaded with Legree to confess to the crime. Legree refused. Jean decided to take out his dagger, and he stabbed Legree in the throat until he was dead. Jean was reunited with Marguerite, and they made their way to Notre Dame to thank God for their victory. Legree's body was dragged, feet first on a hurdle, through the streets of Paris to Montfaucon, where all criminal corpses were displayed for shame. Jean was named one of the knights of King Charles VI, and he was with the king during his campaign through Brittany in 1392, when Charles VI had his first fit of madness. Several years later, in 1396, Jean would once again join Jean de Vienne on one final campaign to Nicopolis during the final crusade. The siege of Nicopolis would prove disastrous for the crusaders, and Jean de Carouge died during this campaign. Jean de Carouge and Jacques Legris' duel was the last of its kind to ever occur in medieval France. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Tudor's Dynasty podcast. You can follow and support the Tudor's Dynasty podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon at Tudor's Dynasty. 